2: To get started,
0: visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: On today's show, musician Georgia Mooney joins me to discuss her latest tour with Supergroup. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'm ready to get lyrical here on Big Squid. Thank you for dropping in for this chat with the wonderful Georgia Mooney. I haven't seen her in ages. It was great to catch up with her, and it's a really fun chat. We go in lots of different directions. We're talking about her new tour, her approach to music, and the time her band, All Our Exes Are in Texas, supported the Backstreet Boys. And you listen to this podcast, you know I love a tangent, and this is one of my favorites. So I won't get ahead of myself. When it comes up very casually, just know that we're about to double back and uh, hear a lot more about uh, that incredible throwaway line. Uh, before we jump into the chat, a reminder for everyone in Adelaide that I'm recording a live Big Squid Show at the Rhino Room on September 16th. The first wave of guests I'm announcing are Rove McManus, Tom Gleason, Adam Richard and making his sweet Adelaide debut, Ben Elwood. Uh, so there is a second wave of guests that are going to be announced, but you'll have to wait a few weeks before I tell you who that is. Uh, my listeners are eligible for a discount to uh, the show, so make sure that you head over to adelaidecomedy.com where you will get uh, more details and uh, to use the promo code Big Squid. Okay, so for all of my listeners... Promo code Big squid one word, lowercase, and that will access a cheaper ticket for you. If you're a Patreon supporter, just a reminder, head to the Patreon site and you will find your very different promo code, which will allow you to access a super-duper discount. So that's just for the Patreon supporters, so make sure you go and check that out as well. It's going to be a fun show. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to have some of your favourite comedians discussing the things that have inspired them with a couple of little games and a little bit of stand-up and it's going to be a fun night and anyone who has in the past been to any show I've booked knows it will be full of people and probably go longer than you expected but you will get bang for buck so uh, Adelaide people check that out and speaking of Patreon all my subscribers have an episode dedicated to them and today's shout out goes to Morgan Staniforth who has been on board with us for a long time now so thank you for your support Morgan it is very much appreciated and uh, even though uh, this season is coming to an end uh, we have new plans new ideas Uh, New thoughts on where the next season's going to go, and I'll tell you more about that later. But because of your support, we can do this, Morgan. So thank you very much, and I hope you not only enjoy this chat, but the mellifluous voice of my guest. I find Georgia's voice so relaxing that after spending an afternoon with her, I just feel 30% less anxious about the world. That's, That's quite a big percentage. So I hope you feel the same way after this. Uh, if you're a listener of this podcast and you'd like to have an episode dedicated to you, along with extra podcasts, scripts, uh, sometimes you'll have the opportunity to even help create content for this podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash Hamilton underscore Squid, and you will find a tier that suits you. Okay, enough of that. Let's bring in the super talented and all-round good hang. Georgia Mooney.
2: Or worrying about what we should be saving for the podcast.
1: Oh, I know. But I just started recording when you said that. So that's going to be the first thing anyone (laughs) hears now. And uh, I can tell you that I'll edit it out, but I know I'm going to forget.
0: Oh, damn it, Justin.
1: They've caught you. They've caught you. They've caught me. They know... Now that not all of our conversation is recorded, it's, uh, there's other parts of the conversation that are just for us.
2: No, we've got secrets.
1: <laughs> we have got secrets. Uh, this uh, one of the secrets that we can reveal is that this podcast has been about a year in the making. How long's it been since <laughs> I last saw you? Was it the live Big Squid I, show? No,
2: yeah, I think it was the. Gosh, that feels like decades ago. Yeah. Was it the live show with Rove and Tom and yeah. Alice and,
1: and Murray from the Murray. Wiggles turned up? Yeah, yeah. What a delightful man!
2: Ah, oh, gosh, when was that? I mean, this is the most this is the most boring conversation that everyone is constantly having. When was that?
1: Yeah, well, time uh, at some point uh, stretched and snapped, <laughs> yeah. and things that feel like they were a couple of weeks ago are suddenly like like a year ago. I'm, yeah. I'm like quantum physics at the moment. I'm in two states where Mm. I can't believe we're up to July already and I also can't believe it's only July.
2: Yeah, 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 totally. Well, it's that thing during the pandemic, everyone kept on saying it feels like time is going extremely quickly and extremely slowly at the same time somehow. Yeah. And then, yeah, now we're we're saying we're post-pandemic, but we're absolutely not. And it feels... The same, yeah. Yeah. Somehow, yeah. And every year, though, I think I say, "I can't believe it's July," and it is the most boring thing you can say. But every year, I genuinely feel it. (laughs) Right?
1: Yeah, you know, the second half of last year felt like it. It went correctly. (laughs) Like I got to November, and I was like. Yep, that feels like November.
2: Correct, passing of time.
1: So I reckon one of the things that might be affecting specifically people like you and me mm. is that we're the kind of idiots mm. that put on shows. Mm. And mm. that is uh, – it's it's a tricky thing to balance for anyone who hasn't put on a show before. You like it and, – and by the way, if you've never put on a show and you don't realise – how full-on it is, mm-hmm. why would you? That means you've gone to good shows. Like mm. the last thing you need to do is go to a show and go, geez, that must have been hard to put together. <laughs> but it, I, I think what's difficult about it is you're planning ahead mm. and then you're dealing with the day-to-day minutiae of keeping it all rolling.
2: Yeah, totally. It's a lot and I'm actually grateful that you've brought me out of the house because I feel like for the last – few weeks if not months i've just been sitting i keep on ordering heated blankets i've got (laughs) (laughs) i've got an electric blanket on my bed and then i've i've got a faux fur heated blanket on the couch and so i'm just sitting on or under hot blankets right. all day just on emails, just do, just trying to remember how to put on a show right. and thinking,
1: maybe I can't do this actually. This is a horrible job. Right. <laughs> it's so full on. Yeah. Luckily, you've nailed the blanket situation.
2: <laughs> I'm so warm. But right. it does mean I get to five o'clock and I go, I should go out of the house. Yeah. It's time to do something. Yeah. Um, I've become a real a nana who does a lot of admin
1: Oh yeah. It, but it's really easy to do. Like it's <laughs> it uh like I force myself to go out and, you know, get some exercise because you know, I look in all honesty, I love food. And if I just <laughs> sat and I kept eating what I enjoy eating, I would be, you know oh, yeah. Jason Alexander. <laughs> and that would be very depressing. And big shout out to Jason Alexander. I know he listens to this podcast. But uh it's so when, when you were bringing Supergroup back, how long has it been since?
2: Yeah, well, the last Supergroup show was February 28, 2020. And then I went the next day to London. and Oh, yes. Uh, to move to London for a few years and then turned around a couple of weeks later when this pesky virus took over. Yep. Um, Monkeypox. So- is that what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There were monkeys everywhere. Yeah. um. So, it, it, really, it really sort of does feel like a weird sort of bookends to the pandemic. But um, this time, Supergroup is going to be travelling to Brisbane yes. and Melbourne yes. and Sydney. And it's, yeah, we're doing two shows in each city and it's going to be very fun. Right. But I've been organising it for about nine months, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And what I love is you haven't done anything for a while with, with the concept. <laughs> yeah. And what you thought is... I should bring it back mm. and make it three times as difficult <laughs> yeah, by bringing right. other cities into it. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. And I'm realising now how easy it is to tour as a band where you, are, where you just carry tiny instruments and you <laughs> only require one input. Because yeah. um, now when I'm doing all the logistics for a touring band of eight people and we've got the full rhythm section and everything, I'm like, geez, there's a lot involved, isn't there? Um.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's um, what's the worst instrument to tour? Do you reckon it's got to be the cello, right?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I reckon drums is oh, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and bad enough that as fun as the drums is, I would not play it purely for baggage reasons. <laughs> right.
1: You know, uh, a big shout out to Nathan who works at Token Artists uh-huh. who uh, has been. Touring with Tom Gleason's Hard Quiz Live, oh. and uh, so I did uh, support for Tom at the Enmore and Down in Chatswood, and yep. the set is genuinely. Set? This is a, this is a little bit of uh, nerdery for you. Love it. The set is amazing. Like it looks wow. so incredible, mm-hmm. and that whole thing, uh, like a like a. Uh, like it's been from IKEA, it somehow all folds down into three flat packs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But when
1: you look at it, you're oh. like, "Are you touring with like two big trucks? You <laughs> know, with you know massive semi trailers with a, yeah. a caricature of Tom's face on the side? You know, but but no, it all just folds down and I'd love to see that truck. So yes, yeah, it's, it's his uh, it's, it's his Rodney Road tour. But the um.
2: Wow, I love that stuff.
1: Yeah, so you know, any drummers out there, yep. get in touch with Nathan and say, Hey, how can I make my drums just fold flatten? down. Yeah. Fold down
2: drums. Yeah, well I remember when my band, all lyrics live in Texas, um, toured with the Backstreet Boys and turning up at the show at Rod Laver Arena and we were all in My Tiny Little Green Beetle because we all have, yeah, these tiny instruments and we rocked up to the backstage of the arena and there was three semi-trailers worth of stuff and we thought, wow, we've got different lives, haven't we?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Slightly. By the way, that is a crazy (laughs) sentence that you just glossed over. When did that happen?
2: Have they not bragged about that before? No. I mean, brag is a weird... Word for it, but um, it happened in I think 2016 or something. We'd right. only been a band for about a year, right? We were just tiny baby band, and then for some reason, we were put on a list of potential people to open for the Backstreet Boys arena tour of <laughs> right. Australia. It was their 20 year reunion, right? And um, and then the the band picked us, which right? Was so fun.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so did you tour Australia with them? Yeah. And we or were. Went, were you, you didn't have to stay in The Beatle. Like, did you get <laughs> flights as well? Or we were did you do flights, yeah. Right, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I was absolutely fanging it in The Beetle to Perth. No. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, I think maybe someone pulled out because we got about three days' notice. So we right. played the show. We, we played a show at The Vanguard in Sydney on the Wednesday. And then, and on that day, we were told that on. Saturday we were playing Rod Laver Arena and it was a big jump.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. What was uh what was the thing that uh, the, the aspect of performing on on such a by the way, I was just not being rude then, but I was trying to work out. I wonder <laughs> who had quick pulled game, out right? and I just typed yes. in Aussie Boy bands <laughs> while you were talking and I was going to go with was it human nature? Human nature like you couldn't Maybe. have human nature open for well, Backstreet I mean, boys,
2: fun. Well, yeah, maybe that's too many boys. Too I mean, many boys. <laughs> I think that we were potentially people because of our girl girl uh, yeah. band element. Yeah. But also.
1: <laughs> too many boys tour. Many Human boys. nature and the, the Backstreet Boys yeah. together.
2: And they're all in their 40s. All let's in be their honest. 40s.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. It's, it's the bring your huffer tour. <laughs> yeah
2: but there was backlash when we were announced it was it was a wild week to be honest there was backlash from the backstreet boys fans because in the states and in the uk they'd had avril lavigne and um, oh some some like all saints or something opening and then when we were announced all the <laughs> the backstreet boys fans here were like who the fuck right these guys aren't even famous in their own country. Who are they? Right. And that's absolutely fair comment. So um, <laughs> there was, yeah, it was it a was shock to all involved, including us. Cause right. It, a little tiny baby folk band opening for the biggest uh, boy band of all time.
1: Well, well what was going to be, was it, who would it have been for if we were going to go with a? don't know. Was it the baby animals reform or like Magic Dirt would be,
2: Like, that would be too
1: hard for, (laughs) like, imagine Magic Dirt coming out. I'm
2: imagining, like, a Jess Mowboy or something like that. But she probably had better stuff to do. Who knows? Yeah, Maybe it was us all along. Maybe. You know?
1: Yeah. And what was the, you know, there is, uh, there's a real difference to performing in tiny clubs to big stages to quite large stages to a stage that you could easily catch an Uber from one side (laughs) to the other. What was the...
2: You could catch an Uber from yourself, your position on stage, to the first person in the front row. Right. You're miles away. Miles away. So that was a real thing. I think we just tried to... I mean, we could really... Because we didn't have much notice. We could really only have the philosophy that we have to just perform like we would normally perform and hope that it carries. Yeah. You know, we're not suddenly traipsing out there and going, hello, Cleveland. Um, But... (laughs) In Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) That would get people offside for many reasons. But, yeah, so we sort of just... Did our thing and hoped for the best Um, Maybe our, you know, we were straddling the stage in a slightly more aggressive sort of a way We had some stances happening But um, we were also confined to a very specific area Like the Backstreet Boys have the whole massive, like three-tiered stage and a runway But they were like, you can't go anywhere outside this small circle Yeah And none of the lights will be on you
0: (laughs) Yeah and right. All
2: the house lights will be on. Yeah. Um but no, it was it was amazing. But I do often think about that. Like I just spent um a million dollars on John Mullaney tickets at I think where is it? At like all phones arena or whatever the right. giant arena in Sydney. Yeah. Whatever Kudos? it's called. Kudos. Kudos, is it? Kudos to the that yeah. arena. Yeah. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> with with the cue. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um <clears throat> And I, and I mean, yeah, how do you feel about comp stadium comedy?
1: I'm not really into it.
2: No, I'm, yeah.
1: It's, I, I always find it to be a little bit of a bummer because mm-hmm. what I end up doing is I end up watching the screen. Yeah. And therefore, like, I, I don't particularly enjoy stand-up on TV either because yeah. I like to be in the room. Yeah. I feel like it's a, a live performance. I'm not saying totally. that, that, like, you can't laugh. <laughs> but there's something about the electricity of being in a room and, oh, yeah. you know, even even someone in the middle of their performance just hears something to the side that they look over and give a wink and keep performing. And you don't even quite know what happened, but that's, mm. that tells you on a subconscious level they're, they're present, mm. they're in the moment. Mm. So, when you go to a big show, I, I think the, funnily enough, the best live stand-up show, I think I may have scene Mm. is Mm. or it's definitely in in the top tier Mm. was Jerry Seinfeld Mm -hmm. and part of what was brilliant about that is I'm not saying he's not funny he's quite clearly very funny it's just not my style of comedy yep yeah it's just not my (laughs) yeah he's done all right yeah it's just not my particular flavor but but I can really appreciate what he's done and I, I watch things and even even when I'm not necessarily laughing out loud, I think, oh, that was well put together. Mm. So seeing his show at the same uh, arena and uh, I went with Rove and yeah. he's, he ended up with some tickets. He said, do you want to go along? We were in a box, so we were a long way away and yeah. you it, it did end up kind of watching the, the screens a little bit more. Yeah. But I think because he's not one of my all-time personal favourites, mm. I was blown away by that show because I just watched it and watched his stagecraft and his rhythms and his patterns and the way he, uh, you know, everyone loves uh, Seinfeld when he gets into that. And then I said this and then he said that and then I said this rhythm yeah, and he judiciously, used it three times at perfect spots in the set. And every time Mm. he started with that rhythm, I could feel the audience go, he's going to do the Seinfeld thing. Mm. And he didn't do it too often. And he just did it three times and spread out Mm. over the course of the show was great. And I walked away from that show blown away. Honestly, one of the best shows I've ever seen. So So
2: interesting.
1: But then I sometimes think, you know, since you spend a million dollars on tickets.
2: A million dollars.
1: I don't want to put this into your head, but sometimes (laughs) I wonder if you're really into a comedian. Yeah. It's like... You'll do anything. (sighs) Well, I just (laughs) wonder, you will spend a million dollars on a ticket, but I also wonder if... uh, Look, I could be completely wrong about this because uh, it's the industry that I work in, but I wonder if comedy, the more expensive it becomes and the bigger the stadium, it's harder for it to live up to the standard because essentially... Mm. It's words, whereas, like, you yeah. go to see a band, it, they can be louder, they can they can add an instrument, they can add a light show, they can add things yeah. that can hit you in the chest.
2: Well, I feel like with with music, when you're getting up to that scale, you're adding production value. So you're adding dances and sets yep. and, you know, pyrotechnics and all that stuff. But yep. I can't really imagine John Mulaney doing anything other than stepping out onto the stage with the microphone. Right. But it and at that point yeah like you say cuz you're not getting that was the thing i noticed when we played the stadium is that you don't get any audience interaction at all like you really yeah. can't feel it um so he's just monologuing at that point surely so he's got that rehearsed and he's not yeah he's not bouncing off the crowd at in, yeah. in any way so then yeah it's not really personalized um to the room yeah. like when you see as yeah, a, a comedy show in a normal room, so and yeah, and it does. I gotta say, it does. I think it was one hundred and sixty dollars each. The tickets was one hundred and thirty or something, which is right. like Rolling Stones
1: prices. Well, back in two thousand, like. <laughs> true. Okay, maybe Katy Perry prices.
2: And um, I, it's yeah, it's hard. To sort of justify that, I
1: think, when you're just standing there with a the microphone.
2: But, but also, you've got to pay for quality. I don't know. He's I really know. good. He's really bloody good.
1: He might crack out a guitar solo that you weren't <laughs> expecting.
2: I hope not, for God's sake.
1: Yeah, I hope not too. <laughs> Always weirds me out when a musical, like I, there was a, 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 a George Samilovich. Yeah. Uh, years, years past is uh, I'm so tough era and like at the height. And you'd do gigs with him. This was when I was much younger and mm. uh, it turns out he's a beautiful guitarist. Mm. And uh, sometimes he would play in his sets, he'd play Spanish guitar. Mm-hmm. No jokes, but he would play okay. Spanish guitar and it was really good. Yeah. But you're sitting there going, it's a comedy show, mate. Not what I came for. <laughs> yeah. How about some gags? Yeah. No, no, put no. A, put on a Spanish guitar night. George George Samilovich. goes Spanish. Guitar. Yeah. I don't know.
2: It does feel like maybe there's an element of secretly wanting to be a musician a bit and sort of just seeing how much you can get away with yeah. sneaking it in. Yeah, it's like when a, <laughs> it's
1: when a rock star decides to do a fucking type 5 of comedy as well and you go, come on, mate. No, no. Yeah. Everyone's laughing because they love you. Yes. But <laughs> if we broke this down, that was hack.
2: I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we dare not believe that uh, getting a joke for being vaguely charming between a song is anything like... Yeah, keep,
1: yeah, keep, uh, keep it in mind. There's, Stick in your lane. Yeah, it's like, it's like me getting up and playing three chords and going, well, no, I reckon I'm a rock star, going to release an album. It's like, no, mate, that was awful, and everyone's clapping you because they think you're, in some ways... Uh, needing this to happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, The so you know after you did those I'm fascinated by this so uh, two things did you meet them? Yeah yeah.
2: and I should mention that I was you know 10, 11, 12 when the Backstreet Boys were massive and yeah. I was a super fan like I had oh, no. posters all on my wall and I used to kiss them goodnight individually <laughs> Oh, that's nice all of them <laughs> Yeah, that's Good nice. Good night, Brian. Good night, Howie. Because um, uh, you don't want one of them to get jealous. <laughs> no, know, exactly. And on all the posters, it was a real
1: routine. Jesus. Yeah, I yeah. know. You were um, exhausted by the end of it, no You probably <laughs> slept well, though.
2: <laughs> so, though I yeah am not the same fan that I was then, now it was pretty exciting to just sort of imagine my 10-year-old self uh, r- response to... Yeah. Playing on stage with the Backstreet Boys, and, and it's um, a good thing to
1: tap back into it because I think we get it's easy to be jaded about what you do. Oh yeah, and it's and uh, it's like you know doing the gigs at the end more. Yeah. like it's it's the end more. Yeah, I'm pumped.
2: I know. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, and I'm going to
1: enjoy every second of this.
2: Yeah, it's it's so true, and and yeah, it was super exciting, and I absolutely was transported back to that um, teeny tweeny self and got. Just like squealy excited. Yeah, we met them on the first night, and they're all in matching velvet blue suits. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> that, and that was just their casual gear. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> then we went back into our dressing room, and then all held hands and jumped up and down and screamed because we were, It was so exciting. <laughs> yeah. But they are absolutely men in their sort of mid to late forties now, which is quite weird. Right. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> still the Backstreet Boys, and still. Um, sort of singing the same funny songs. Right. That they were singing when they were 13, 15, 19. So like, cause they were little.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing to remember, yeah. isn't it? It's um so so I'm curious. So when they perform the songs, mm. is there is it just done the way they used to do it? Yeah. With longer gaps between so they can catch their breath? <laughs> like they don't kind of add age to it or is there is there a gravitas to it? Do you know what I mean? Like when you see an older artist do a yeah. song from way back in their catalogue, yeah. they, they can sometimes bring something yeah. new to it?
2: No. Look, there were two or three songs in the middle where they've brought out stools and like an acoustic guitar and it's sort of like a stripped down sort of evening with moment. Right. Where they're probably just catching a breath. Yeah. But the rest of the show is absolutely all the same dance moves, Costume changes and the singing and dancing is amazing. Like, yeah. Props to the BSBs. Yep. Yeah. They were really good. Um, and it, there's, there's no band. They are singing to track, which is kind of wild. Right. But they are also singing live. There were moments where they would come up and because we, I mean, we got very involved. We were dancing side of stage. We yeah. were, we were having dinner together every night. We were very excited. Oh, they great. taught us the moves, and they would occasionally run over to us and be like singing a bit with us. And then you would notice that they're holding a microphone and no sound is coming out of the mouth in front of you, and you go, "Oh, okay, this is a bit where you're miming." But then you'll run back and yeah. right, <laughs> and that's the
1: bit where they can concentrate on their breathing for the dancing, and someone else is like singing and fair lead. And that's yeah. the. Backing track, or like that's the backing vocal part, right?
2: Yeah, there's little bits of harmonies creeping in, yeah. pre-recorded bits ca- creeping in and out. But for the most part, they're singing live and dancing like motherfuckers, and it's yeah.
1: pretty awesome. Yeah, and were they nice? Did they you like were them? Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. They were lovely. They were, they were, very peace and love and prayers and all that stuff. But they oh, were. Oh, really? Yeah, they were great.
1: Right, <laughs> a little bit of uh, Jesus is our tour manager.
2: Yeah, a little bit of let's have hold hands and say a quick prayer but you know that's okay. That's Well, they're good. in their
1: 40s like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they're... Please please don't let me drop dead exactly. in the middle of every w- one. Please don't let me tear a calf muscle. <laughs> <laughs> don't let me fall off the stage. I might break something. <laughs> yeah. I, I will not bounce back like I used to.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: No, they were they were gorgeous and I love them dearly.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, mm-hmm. that's you know, you want you know, if you it's it, nothing worse than loving someone as a kid and then yeah. meeting them as an adult and yeah. like on the comedy side of things, Tony Martin is everything you want Tony Martin to be. Yeah, like the first time I met Tony Martin was like, I can imagine oh, that he is everything i wanted him to be he yeah. is a delight yeah. he is he's you know he's going to start dropping some references to on the buses that i don't really get but luckily i kind of remember that tv show enough to understand <laughs> where he's coming from he's Cute. going to hit me with some obscure fact from an australian movie that i never knew existed and, but he's present and he's great you know and it's such a yeah. bummer if you if you met Tony and then he, you know, was if Tony Martin turned around to me and was like, so who do you reckon is going to win the footy? I'd go, no, <laughs> it's not what I want from you. <laughs> totally. Yeah, well, when we get
2: off air, you can tell me all the people
1: you met who were actually cunts. Oh, mate. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> strap yourself in. We are yes. going to be here for a while. So <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about this experience is, oh, and also in those lads... Uh, favor is something that, uh, you know, because they were so young when they started. Mm. And this is something that people don't really talk about mm. because we always talk about how gross it is when older men date younger women, mm. rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. But I remember years ago when Justin Bieber was, like, still a teenager mm. and he was making an – like, you know, 16, 17, but still young, making an appearance at some random supermarket and all the people there were screaming and then there was just footage of women in their 40s and you <laughs> go, sorry, I guess what? This mm. isn't right either. Like, I, I'm not mm. into this. Like, mm. I know uh, we can get into the semantics of power dynamics, etc., but still, this is weird mm-hmm. and those boys would have had the same thing, so – Mm. that they're, you know, that they're, like, that's weird. Like, that's a weird thing to be experiencing at a formative part of your life. So to, mm-hmm. so what? It, basically it's a long way of me saying if they were decent and nice people to you, I'm relieved that that was the experience because if they were really kind of standoffish and a bit weird from all those years of experience, I would kind of understand that as well.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It it's just a very very strange life, isn't it? Because I think the the youngest one, Nick, started genuinely when he was 13. Right. And then they were you know, astronomically famous. Yeah. And the tour that they were on was the yeah, was their 20-year reunion tour, but I think they've been they had a break, but they've been touring pretty consistently. And they'd been doing that tour, the twenty-year reunion tour, for two years, right? So which was twice as long as we had been a band at the time. <laughs> and yeah. they'd done like two hundred and fifty shows or something insane. Yeah. Um. So yeah, their their lives are nuts, but they're all um they were all married and they were all you know maybe they've maybe they've gone through you know twenty years you've got enough time to go through complete uh, mental breakdown and then come back sort of crashing
1: down to earth and then yeah. sort
2: of be um, and that's why you have, rehabilitated yeah, And, and that's why you have little
1: prayers before your shows Because that's the journey, right? Yeah, totally, totally, totally That young guy was probably only 33 <laughs> When you're saying the others are 40s And that's their 20 year anniversary And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm 35 <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, Genuinely, yes That's true The eldest one was about 45 And the youngest one was about 35 Which is pretty nuts to be right. doing a 20 year reunion thing at 35
1: Right mm. And were they doing new material?
2: Yep Yeah One of my favourite songs was Permanent Stain and <laughs> goodness. Yep, and the chorus uh is uh you left a permanent stain on my heart. Right. And that's Great. beautiful, isn't it? Yep.
1: <laughs> and I'm relieved it was on the heart because yeah. otherwise that song's pretty grotty actually. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wow, Backstreet Boys have really uh had some bad experiences <laughs> since we last saw them.
2: Embracing middle age. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. No, they do they yep, they're releasing new music, which I mean even I think I don't know how this has ended up maybe just being a tribute to the Backstreet Boys, but you never know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, but I feel like in music, the longer you do it, the more you meet bands and realise that, you know, sort of like you're saying about meeting your heroes, you realise that most of the bands that you know and love that have been around for a long time pretty much hate each other. Right And And – sort of have found a way to get by, which involves a lot of sort of living very separately. Yeah. Um, But so even just that a band can still be together after 20 years and be touring 150 shows a year uh, is extremely impressive to me. And they were all having dinner together every night, which is... That's great. ...kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that. I think that's awesome. I know. I genuinely think that's awesome. Me too. So... So you do these big shows, right, and you've never done shows that big before. Yeah. Do, what do you take from that when you go back into your normal gigs? Do you take uh, – was there any stagecraft that you learned? Was there any uh, – you know, w- we saw it with someone like Kings of Leon who started off as a, uh, you know, kind of garage rock band and mm. then they tour with U2 and uh, Pearl Jam. And then suddenly they're like, oh, we – we want to fill out our sound to be arena. Mm. I know, like, I know that you're using acoustic <laughs> guitars and that, but did you learn anything that you then wanted to apply to when you went back to uh, your normal circuit? Um,
2: I think, to be honest, we were still so new and fresh and working out our thing that it was sort of just like a mad blip. Oh. Right. <laughs> but... um. I think it in terms of performance it was it was yeah learning how to come out on stage and and perform well regardless of the response or lack of response that you're getting from the yes. audience so that thing of of yeah just having enough confidence and engagement within one, each other, between each other, to put on a confident, strong show that isn't reliant on, um, yeah, it isn't reliant on validation, immediate validation from the yep. crowd that you can't hear or see. Yeah. So that was kind of really interesting.
1: Yeah, that's a really important skill, and mm. it's uh, finding. A, uh, a rhythm mm. that doesn't rely on anyone else that keeps everything in the correct place yeah. and allows you to be confident because, you know, as someone who has done a lot of support for yeah. comedians who have much higher profiles than me, I know when I go out, mm. nobody is there to see me. Yeah, nobody is there to see me. Yeah. And if I wasn't on, they'd be fine. Mm. Some might be a little <laughs> bit excited. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. they might know me as well. Go, like, oh, we get this as a bonus. Mm. But there would be other people who are like, yep, can't wait for this to be over so we can get to the main bit. And mm. you have to go out with that. And you know, the lights are often up in the yep. theatre because people are making their way in. You can't. Uh, it, it, it's a, it's a skill. It's a skill to be strong keep your rhythm going, be present, be able to kind of pick the right things to comment on as they kind of happen. I always had a fun comment for – I had a line in my back pocket for anyone who was coming to a Will Anderson gig. (laughs) And if they were coming late and they were right at the front, so it it would have to always be someone in the front Uh that everyone could see as well as me. So it couldn't be like third row because they'd get lost in the darkness. And if they walked in, I'd always say – Thanks for turning up. You must be looking up and thinking, fuck, Will Anderson's let himself go. And then when everyone would laugh, I would berate the audience for a bit of, you laughed a bit too hard at and <laughs> yeah. it And it only ever got to be used now and again. Yeah. But it's also a, a tacit acknowledgement that a lot of you are, at best, fine with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, it's, but it's a skill.
2: Totally, and sort of yeah, being able to just sort of switch on into a mode and then come out and present something confidently, yeah, yeah, with enough uh sort of openness to receive you know um a crowd yeah but but still be able to do it sort of regardless of what's going on, it's yes. it, it is yeah, it's sort it's of tricky, um, yeah, it takes both uh. Heaps of ego and no ego at the same time.
1: Yes, yeah, you, yeah. It's it's um, <laughs> it's exactly that. You have to be confident and mm. acknowledging exactly what's going mm. on here. <laughs> the do you ever find it uh, part of the danger in those kinds of gigs? And it's one of the things that I reckon uh, stopped me from enjoying stand up for a while mm. was the ability to perform and not be present. And it's something that. Uh, Mm. You know, you just do enough – I think early on in your career doing shitty gigs is really important because it teaches you important skills. Yeah, totally. And then once – but I think if you do shitty gigs for too long mm. – and there's a, I used to do shitty gigs all the time mainly to work up new material. But what I found was it's almost like, uh, you know, if you keep injuring – like if you keep cutting the same part of your thumb, you build up a callus. And then that mm. came across in mm-hmm. – I would do gigs and – not really be 100% present and then that chipped away at the enjoyment of the craft and Mm. then that, you know, just kind of led to a, oh, this is a bit of a bummer, why am I wasting my time kind of thing? And so Mm. I find that's the thing you have to be careful about.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that sort of sounds similar to, I think, when you're really early starting out music, you do lots of um Shows sort of in pubs or restaurants where people aren't really listening, and yeah. you sort of will <clears throat> almost sing and perform in a way that's a bit backgroundy. Yeah. Like you just sort like you're probably um, delivering at about sixty five percent, and yeah. then you if you keep doing that, like if you if you're doing a regular gig every week or you doing that for a year or something you yeah you lose that ability to to command a stage and yeah. and come out and really give it your all you sort of just become a bit beige yeah um so <laughs> yeah i think that can be said for support slots as well as ma- as amazing as they are yeah you can you have to sort of then still be able to hold your own for your own show.
1: Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Like you're doing your own show and then somewhere in the back of the audience's head is like this subconscious thing of, why aren't they performing as if they know that the desserts are about to come out?
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so with, with, the, uh, with the new tour, yeah. what, what was the inspiration for getting it uh, back up and running and, and calling all of these people in to perform with you? What was the, what was the mm. spark of inspiration?
2: Well, well, maybe I should explain a little bit what the show is. Oh, yeah, sure. Which so That's probably a
1: good idea. I forgot <laughs> I know what it is, but people yeah. listening might not know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's called Supergroup. And essentially the idea came from there's this beautiful tradition in sort of folk and country music of performances happening occasionally in the round. So uh, three or four or five musicians will – Um, get up and sit in a circle and take turns playing songs and if they sort of can pick up what's happening, they might join in and it's a very sort of folky country kind of session, beautiful tradition but it it's always struck me as being lovely and communal but it's sort of very much um, specific to that genre of music and I I sort of wondered wouldn't it be fun if you put that on a stage and – each artist was from a different sort of genre or a different um, point in their career or musical background or cultural background, all the things. And you then sort of had a bit of a mishmash of, of songwriters and we put a house band behind us and you sort of asked the question of what would it sound like if you combined this artist and this artist and this artist and this artist and this artist and. and melded all the genres and everyone added their own flavour. and um, So that's sort of where the idea came from. And basically the show is it's become kind of like half a chat show and half a concert in a way because I host and invite three different songwriters each night um, to join me on stage and then interview everyone between the songs and then we take turns playing songs and sort of joining in with, with one another. And... I love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, great. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, for example, in Sydney we've got two shows. We've got on the one there's Josh Pike and Nairi and Martha Marlowe. So that's a beautiful mix of kind of folky and a bit of soul and really different artists there. And then on another night we've got Tim Minchin and Hannah Joy, who's the lead singer and songwriter of Middle Kids, and Ziggy Rama, who's an amazing uh, Indigenous hip-hop artist. right? And so, it, yeah, it felt like a waste to have all these people on stage and then not talk to them. So it becomes yeah. sort of very chatty and very fun and silly. And I've also been very inspired by those sort of uh, music variety shows. Like, well, like Countdown and Bandstand and all those things, but also... Remember there was like a period in American TV history where like in the 60s and 50s and 70s where there was like the Ed Sullivan show yeah. and there was a time where I feel like different artists were had a little stint having a show. Like there was a Cher show and oh, a Judy yeah. Garland show yeah. and all that stuff where they would kind of – it was all very camp and they would sort of pick a few artists and have a bit of a variety night. And yeah. um, even like the Port of Wagner show and I – I've just always loved those. And I feel like we don't really have variety nights like that anymore. So I, I sort of wanted to be vaguely inspired by those and put that sort of camp light entertainment thing on yeah. the stage.
1: Well, why do you think they don't exist now? I know. I don't uh, know. Is it because of. Uh, I ostensibly think the reason most good things don't happen is because of something to do with money.
2: Yeah. Yeah, probably.
1: So is it possibly <laughs> music rights? is it, yeah. they're expensive, you got to pay this licence.
2: Yeah. Well, I know I know that, yeah, if, if we're to get really boring about it, that the reason that music live music shows aren't um, on streaming services and things as much is because, yeah, you have to acquire rights from so many different places from every different territory and it just becomes too expensive and too difficult. And right. so maybe... In the days pre streaming and when I don't know record deals were simpler or something, um, they could afford to do that. But yeah, I, I think it's a real shame. I think there's something so magical about them. We don't, yeah, yeah, we have we have you know, quiz shows and panel shows, but we don't really have music variety shows anymore.
1: As someone who works on quiz shows and panel shows, fucking which I wh- love. Thank by you. The way. No, it's all right. I wasn't looking for anything, but <laughs> I- it's uh, but it is one of those things where it's like. Even though, anyway, personally, I just find it a bit of a bummer. And Mm. because there's uh, the the cross-pollination of the uh, different people's skills Mm. is reduced to answering questions Mm. and a little bit of banter. And so, but I, uh, you know, seeing someone get up with, like, you know, like imagine having having Steve Martin not talking about his stand-up career and then you had, I don't know, you had Dave Grohl doing music and then, yeah, Steve Martin and Dave Grohl play totally. banjo and guitar together, and yep. you go, "Fucking, that's the magic that you're talking about—the yeah. alchemy of these two art forms coming together." And go, "Oh, what is happening here?" Yeah. You know? Yeah,
2: I know. Jules Holland's show was pretty awesome. And, yes, you know, going around the room and each band would play. But I, I, the thing I love about supergroup is that it's very communal. That everyone's on the stage together. We're in a little semicircle, and we're all talking and asking each other questions, but then we're also all playing music together. And so, you know, Tim mentions playing a piano solo over Ziggy's hip-hop song, which is yeah. amazing. And then we, f- we finish each night with a cover that we've all picked and we sort of... Um, Collaborate on that And it's
1: Sorry th- Is it It's not one cover Is it Or is it A couple of Four covers Or is it oh, so You collectively Pick one cover We all
2: pick one cover And oh, we fi- right. Yeah we finish That's the like Finale Yeah Um. So Yeah And then uh, And then Over the course of the night Everyone has played A couple of songs each and, Yeah um, Yeah so this time I think particularly To get around to Answering your question um, I wanted to do it again I think Particularly because obviously the pandemic has been absolute hell on the arts and yeah. the music industry, um, big time, and we haven't been able to play for so long. And music already is sort of, I mean, that's one of the things I'm always envious with comedy is that it there's a lot of, I feel like comedians have a lot of opportunities to be on lineup shows together or all kind of collaborate in various ways right. um, but in music it's fairly solitary you know um, you see other bands on festival lineups or kind of at the airport but otherwise you're just sort of doing your own thing and you don't have that much opportunity to actually um, play together especially yeah. with artists who are not from your sort of genre yeah. so but then you at the same time we all sort of speak this language um, so it it's really... Really lovely to to come together and have a bit of a communal moment and have a bit of a for want of a much better term jam and um <laughs> yeah and it's really nice so I think particularly after the pandemic where it's been so disconnected for so long yep. I, I really wanted to get the show happening again and and take it to Brisbane and Melbourne and use local artists from those cities as well
1: yeah great yeah well what's been the uh most uh i guess uh interesting genre uh, artists to kind of from their different backgrounds bring together in a meeting point has it been someone who's a hip-hop artist with someone who's like tim mentioned i guess uh classically trained or is there others that kind of jumped to mind that were okay how are we gonna fit these together and it's been Mm. something quite quite wonderful
2: Um, well, I think it's really hard to say because by virtue of the fact that each night there are three different guests, every show is really, really different. So there's been lots of highlights. I mean, Murray, the original Red Wiggle, came on and played with... Myself and Claire Bodich, and an amazing songwriter called Jack Colwell. And he taught us all the actions and words to can you point the finger and do the twist? Yeah. <laughs> and then we all performed <laughs> that as, and I've just never seen, and all the audience as well. And I've never seen a room of adults be so kind of giddy. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, there's been, we had like Tim Rogers and. Earthboy Earth Boy was performing a hip-hop song, which is really awesome. And then Tim and amazing singer Ben Salter singing the harmonies in the chorus is yeah. really beautiful. And there's lots of kind of examples of of fun combinations. And, yeah, in, in this run, like in Brisbane, we've got Sam, um, who's the singer and songwriter from Ballpark Music, amazing kind of pop rock band who – just with the catchiest songs in the world, and then we've got Saya, who's a sort of beautiful electronic pop artist, and Elizabeth, who creates this sort of really lush orchestral sound. So that one will be probably really kind of lush and full of full of beautiful harmonies yeah. and beautiful singing. And we're going to cover a Velvet Underground song, which will be really fun. Together. Oh, great! And then on the second night, we've got. Jeremy Neal and Hope D and Evil Eddie, who is the MC from Butterfingers. So that will be like quite different again. That's going to be a bit more hip hop a bit more yep. kind of indie, uh, rocky. And that will be really fun. And then in Melbourne, we've got Claire Bowditch and Bob Evans and Ruby Gill. So that one's a bit more in the kind of singer-songwriter, pensive, beautiful, but then Bob is, you know, from Jebediah, he's so it's a bit rocky as well, and then we've also got Moju and Ryan Downey and Maple Glider. Right, <laughs> so many names to remember. Yeah. So and and that would be different again. So yeah, it's sort of it's a, every show is quite quite unique and special.
1: Yeah. Have you had uh, Peter Coons?
2: No, I'd love that.
1: I feel like when you were talking <laughs> about Murray, and then I was like, and, yeah. you, and it's specifically what. Uh, made me think this was uh, I know people who have seen, like grown-ups who have gone to see Peter Coombs live and he does you know, newspaper mama, <laughs> you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I reckon he would be a blast. Yeah. I think he'd be a lot of fun and I that see. might be you know, if you're looking to recreate a bit of that magic Totally.
2: Well that's, yeah The the opportunities are endless and so it's definitely something they want to keep keep doing yeah. and now um, it's been booked for a couple of festivals which has always been the dream as well so can turn up to a festival and pull from the lineup oh great and then have yes. a bit of a like a
1: yeah oh that's awesome yeah so, you, you know uh i feel like there's once again i, I i'm i'm taking a guess this comes back to money but i feel like the always. art of the cover has mm-hmm. been a little bit lost and one of the yeah. things uh, we've discussed this uh, a little bit before but one of the things i did during uh, the you know OG lockdown, the mm-hmm. initial lockdown was. I went through. I was reading an article about the punk movement, mm-hmm. and I was in this article. It just it, this throwaway moment. They said, "Oh yeah, the the only two artists the punk movement didn't turn on were mm-hmm. David Bowie and Roxy Music." And I just watched Lost in Translation, and so I had more than this in my head. and I was like, "What? <laughs> what, what? What? What do you mean?" And even though I knew songs by Roxy Music, I hadn't really listen to Roxy Music. So I went back Mm. and listened to every album in sequential order and kind of got my head around, Mm. oh, yeah, they're DIY to begin with, you Mm. know. But anyway, part of that was listening to Brian Ferry Mm -hmm. and his solo stuff. And I was blown away that his albums are, for the most part, covers. Yeah. And there's a real art to it. Like the Mm. ability to take – have you heard his cover of Sympathy for the Devil? I don't think so. It's, you know, like it's quite clearly sympathy for the devil. Yeah. But it's also like when you hear it, you can picture him in a crumpled, velour, purple mm. suit, you know, with a cigarette, you know, in one hand. And, you know, there's a martini on the glass and, you know, his backup singers. And it's great. Like mm. it's, like it's kind of. Showbiz. So w- w- when you're tackling a song as a as – because a, you're trying to bring in all these people mm-hmm. and you're doing a cover, mm. what's, is there a process to how we're going to work out how to make this distinctive song be itself and bring our thing to it? Or is it just let's play and – See what happens and grasp onto things.
2: Yeah, well, it's somewhat limited by the fact that we don't rehearse. We have we run through everything once in sound check, and apart from that, I really,
1: yeah, I've been to your shows,
2: <laughs> so I write up charts and arrange all the songs, and everyone's got the charts and the lyrics in front of them. So, um. Jesus. So we we've got the blueprint, you know. Right. But that's that's sort of part of it. Is that it's I have a bit to apologise. I have
1: underestimated these shows. <laughs> I thought there. I thought there were a couple of rehearsals.
2: No, no rehearsals. Just wow. a run through and sound check. Wow. Yeah. So, but in terms of the cover, we do try and think of that a couple of weeks ahead, and um, and then I sort of will make an arrangement. And I suppose because yeah, because there's not that much time to to you know get in a room and work out interesting parts but it comes to I've sort of taken the like traveling Wilburys philosophy where of like everyone's playing together and and I love that thing when you have a have a band or a Or a super group and, you know, you hear one voice sing the first verse and then the next person's voice sings the second verse and you're like, oh, wow. And then suddenly, you know, Roy Orbison's doing the chorus and you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. So it's sort of embracing the textures of each different singer and then coming often coming together all um, to sing along in the chorus. Great. But, uh, yeah, but then we'll also experiment depending on who's playing what instruments on stage. So... For some of the shows, you know, we might have four acoustic guitars and then a house band, or some shows might have a keyboard and an omnicord and then, yeah, bass drums, guitar. So, yeah. so it turns out to be sort of different based on who's there and what instrument they can play. Ah, right. Mm. Yeah, interesting.
1: Mm. Is is there a genre of music that you've always wanted to tackle, but you that, that you're a fan of, but you look at and you think, geez, <laughs> how how would I do that? <laughs>
2: Well, I guess the show does lend itself to the sort of softer, more intimate genres. Yeah. But it would be pretty crazy and fun to do some like hard rock or right. do like a metal song with people who don't normally
0: <laughs> yeah. play.
2: Yeah. You know? Um, I'd just like to have a crack at like doing metal on the mandolin or something
1: oh yeah yeah there's a uh, there's a somewhere on um a, a powder finger b side mm. there is an underrated tasty <laughs> cover of number of the beast and it is delicious <laughs> yeah. like when I, when I heard it i was like this is great do that live guys this is fantastic you yeah. know so i do i love it when someone takes something and then you know, mm. extrapolates it into a different kind of art form or genre yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. and also um, for a while there covers, they had too much irony. Mm-hmm. Like it was a little bit nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Look at us. We're doing yeah this artist that we quite clearly aren't into. Or Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, but, but I much prefer someone who tackles it with a, a level of sincerity. Yeah. Because then I feel and like you own. get these different flavours out of it. And, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is a really fun part of it, and it's sort of it's, yeah, it's really nice to hear. I think it's really nice to hear a song that you know through someone else's voice yeah. and and uh, sort of interpretation. That's quite that can be quite special.
1: I like a crossover in uh, male female. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so you. One uh, two examples using Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello doing "Anyone Who Had a Heart," mm-hmm. which suddenly, which is already you know a beautiful kind of tragic song, but mm. having a man sing it brings a new level of fragility to mm. it because uh, traditionally men don't express themselves that way. Mm-hmm. So to have him expressing those emotions, like "Oh, geez, that's hitting me hard," yeah. but then uh, Fiona Apple covering Elvis Costello's "I Want You," mm. then. Adds a new level once again. Yeah. And I love it when it kind of can cross pollinate like that, and you do. It's like um, uh, it's like adding a spice that releases a new aroma to something that you know back to front, and yeah. it's
2: great. Yeah, exactly. I love that as well.
1: Is there anyone you wouldn't cover like that you love so much that if someone said, "Hey, let's <laughs> let's do Joni Mitchell," are you like you leave Joni Mitchell out of this?
2: <laughs> well, I have covered Joni Mitchell, so I couldn't say that. No. But. Um, <laughs> But I think there are certain voices that are kind of just too too closely attached to that song, like that you couldn't re- – like, or that are just too impossible to in any way sort of dare take on. Like someone like Nina Simone or right. Billie Holiday maybe. No, that's not true. She's in the Jazz Standards. They're, yeah. they're all covers. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. Or is
1: it maybe just – what you know or, your range is.
2: Or maybe there's no limits and you can just, if you just have to make a concerted effort not to be in any way copying them. You have to do a complete reinterpretation, yeah. you know, and rearrangement of things. Yeah. So, and that could be the, I think that can be the most enjoyable sort of a cover when it's so totally different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of Kate Bush covers happening right now. There are a lot of different running up that hills.
1: So funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, I love
2: that whole story, by
1: the way. Oh, uh, you know, like she's kind of, uh, you know, anything that reintroduces mm. a genius to a new generation, mm-hmm. I'm all for it.
2: But that she's probably a good example because how do you cover a Kate Bush song? Right. You, you can't even dare... Try to do it like her. You have yep. to completely change it. You have to probably take it down an octave.
1: Yeah. Um, well, there's the uh, there's a really good one by Placebo.
2: Yeah. Well, there you and go. And that is completely you know, different. Yeah.
1: That's, uh, and I say this as a fan of that cover. That's the nasal remix. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But it's good.
2: But yeah, it is so exciting when when really great music suddenly cracks through.
1: Oh, ah, yeah, I, I get really annoyed at people of my generation or older who are like, oh, yeah, no, nah. well, yeah, you just discovered it. It's like, yeah, great. Yeah, it's amazing. It's good. Oh, it's such a good news story. Yeah, be be wrapped. Like, I know. It's good for the artist. It's, you know, it yeah. doesn't mean you lose any relationship with it. No,
2: if anything, you sort of seem a bit cooler because you were onto it first. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, come on.
1: Yeah, you can say well if out. you like <laughs> this. How about that? Oh, I didn't know about that. I know. Lean into it. Yeah. All right, I've got something to finish off with, mm-hmm. and uh, I am springing this on you. I like it. So when I write, yeah. uh, and I'm writing, I'm working on different things at the moment, uh, and I won't tell you what they are because okay. that's part of what I'm going to throw out to you. Uh-huh. But to help me kind of bounce between the the. Different types of writing. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to certain songs or certain types of music mm-hmm. and it helps me find that groove. Do you listen to, do, do you have a, an approach like that or do you, are you just able to go into what you're writing?
2: Well, I suppose I'm writing music. Like, are you listening while you're writing or is no. this like your, you know, no, I in I, the mirror? That lounge
1: over there. I'm mamped. in the mirror, mime into it. <laughs> Yeah, with the without hairbrush. a shirt on. What's happening here? <laughs> the loneliness. Hey, no, on the no on the judgment. lounge with the, uh, oh. with the noise cancelling headphones on and the eyes closed. Maybe, maybe uh, similar songs uh, in genre, mm-hmm. or sometimes maybe even the same song. Maybe two or three times in a row, just to kind of cool. get the feel of it.
2: Uh huh. And are you you're going to specific? artists or genres for specific reasons?
1: Yeah, so it's almost like – so it's a bit of a – actually, good question. So it's a bit of a – when the idea comes to me, Uh there's this – somewhere in my subconscious, there's a little bit of a a mix and match or maybe it's it just happens that I've heard a song recently or it reminds me of a song that I know. Mm. And I think, oh, I I feel like – because what I want to capture is – not the specificity of the song or the lyrics, mm-hmm. but the mood, mm-hmm, mm. and that and the mood helps me find my uh, find my groove in my writing. Yeah, if that makes sense. Cool. So I was going to uh, give you snippets of three lots of lyrics to three songs that I'm thrashing. Okay, great. And I'm just curious to know if you'll be able, to, like, if what it will evoke in you and then I'll sort of say okay and it, by the way you don't have to get into specificity of what I exactly like mm-hmm. I don't want you to say oh this is a this is a a, a short movie about the dog that you owned when you were 11 it's <laughs> like no no it's no it's just kind of like uh, what do you think the lyrics uh-huh. might be evoking uh, in the type of writing as in what genre or like what in what style and what kind of length and that kind of thing
2: okay Okay. Does
1: that make sense? Uh, I think so. I've given you a lot of words. I should have thought about this. No, I'm up for it. It's great. Okay, so one of the songs that I am thrashing at the moment Mm -hmm. is Bruce Springsteen. It's hard to be a saint in the city. Take it away, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to sing it because I can't afford uh, how much it would cost to uh, sing those things. But it was uh, the lyrics that I wanted to share with you. I was the king of the alley mama, I could talk some trash. I was the prince of the paupers crowned downtown at the beggar's bash. I was the pimp's main prophet, I kept everything cool, just a backstreet gambler with the luck to lose. And when the heat came down, it was left on the ground. The devil appeared like Jesus through the steam in the street, showing me a hand I knew even the cops couldn't beat. I felt his hot breath on my neck as I dove into the heat. It's so hard to be a saint when you're just a boy out on the street. What? Great oh. lyrics, right? Yeah. By the way, that was I, – I, I have known that Springsteen was a fan of Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, at 49, hearing those lyrics, I was like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, quite clearly. He loves <laughs> Bob Dylan. <laughs> but um, yeah. does that evoke anything or –
2: Well, it's ballsy, isn't it? It's got kind of bravado. Yeah. I think you would be – Hmm. What would you be doing for that? You'd be writing something for the TV.
1: Oh, for TV. <laughs> Interesting.
2: Yeah, I think something that involves courage and a bit of edge.
1: Right. I reckon the edge is, is right. Yeah, but it, uh, it's, it's, gritty. It's it's a little bit more at this – and you know with writing, things can change. It feels like it's going to be a book.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so it's a bit more – yep, yep, Okay, so it's a bit going a bit deeper and a bit – Yeah. Yes. No, you're right. TV's too clean. TV's too, um, too shiny and polished. You got to go. You got to go deep, and you got to really yeah. go through the back streets of your mind. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. also
1: the uh, specifically the um, the line, "The devil appeared like Jesus through the steam in the street." Like that yeah, is
2: that's very that, evocative, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And you suddenly it feels like mm. oh, I reckon that street probably imparts in the wrong place probably smells bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, it's a bit it's, Surrey Hills, yeah. It's a bit Surrey Hills on a, <laughs> on a, on a deceptively warm uh, winter's day kind of thing. Yeah. You're like, fuck, that's too much. Yes. So oh, Okay. Yep, 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 yep. So, yep. that was good and that's kind of... And it's, by the way, what I'm mentioning is so in the early stages, but that's, that's kind insane. of helping me find... Can you give
2: away any more information about that?
1: Well, I like the idea of writing a story about someone who is a... For lack of a better term, a fixer. I don't. I, I kind of want a protagonist who isn't just one thing. Like mm. he's lots of things, mm. and he's, but he's, but ostensibly amongst all of those things, he's fixing things.
2: So this is going to be fiction. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So
1: at the moment, I kind of have these. I like. I also like the idea of almost a book that is made up of kind of like short stories, but it's one. Big yep. thing. So then you Love could. That. So then because I know when I'm reading, I don't know about uh, you know, especially post COVID, mm. uh, you know, losing that fog
2: concentration. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I, I found short stories were really handy to be yeah. able to go. Yep, finish that short story. Finish that short story. Yeah. So then if you had uh, an overarching tale, mm. but there were lots of short stories within that, mm. so you could allow one of the things that this character will be doing is um, he's the guy that fixes everything in the block of apartments that he lives. Nice. So that's – and it's not – but it's just something that he does. Mm -hmm. But then there's also kind of like a – potentially like a detective story element. And then there's also a woman who needs him to find her dog. Yeah, You know, that kind of thing. Mm. So anyway, that's what I'm working on there.
2: Oh, that's very exciting. All right. With a bit of Springsteen flavor.
1: With a bit of, yeah, mm. yeah, just having that, uh, that, that once again, the person in that song is kind of young and the person I'm thinking of is a little bit older, but it's yep. that kind of getting shit done, walking down the streets, all the different characters that you're mm. meeting along the way and how that's, uh, uh, you know, kind of in influencing who you are. That's kind of what I'm, it's not a, it's not a definitive reading of the song, but it's a, uh, uh, the the feeling that I'm getting when I'm listening to it. Mm, yeah, cool. Yeah. I get very nerdy when with music. That's why I get excited when you're coming on. It's like, oh, I can say all these nerdy things. So <laughs> you say this to other people and they go, I'll just listen to the song and I tap my foot and I go, okay, <laughs> no worries.
2: I love this.
1: All right. So this is so this is a different uh, project. Different project.
2: Different song. Mm-hmm. Different vibe.
1: Different vibe. Mm. Curtis Mayfield. Mm. Don't worry if there's a hell below. hmm going... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, people running from their worries while the judge and the juries dictate the law that's partly floor. Cat calling, love bawling, fussing and cussing. Top billing now is killing for peace no one is willing. Kind of make you get that feeling. Everybody smoke. Use the pill and the dope educated fools from uneducated schools, pimping people in the rule, polluted water in the pool, and Nixon talking about don't worry. He says don't worry, but they don't know. There can be no show, and if there's a hell below, we're all going to (laughs) go.
2: Okay. So this is... Yep. Okay, this is more sort of a social, political, commentary sort of work situation. Um, But also... But be. also fun, yeah. You can totally. dance to it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that does suggest television, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you
2: writing for the weekly? <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, I like that. It is a totally different mood. Yeah. So it's yeah. Do you listen to songs? Sorry, I'm getting off track. No, no, off topic, no, no. But the, the, do you listen to songs before you go on stage?
1: yeah like w- like when I'm doing my own shows and for specific different shows so yeah uh when I did uh three colors hamo yeah which uh actually each each show was branded yeah right so, so Beatles for the first one Beach Boys for the second Bowie for the third one yeah but uh funnily enough, the specific song that I listened to before every show was uh uh all those years ago by George Harrison
0: uh-huh. Oh, nice. Because
1: there was something in the, you know, because that's a song about uh, John Lennon mm. and there was something in the tone of that that kind of captured everything that I was trying to hit specifically mm. across the three shows.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, I mean, weirdly, it's not really something that I do, but I absolutely should. I, it's, it's such a good way of reminding yourself to be in a particular situation zone and sort of in a character and and sort of yeah that that you're you're i don't know it puts you in the show as opposed to leaving you in the room with a crowd yeah. and a green room and a sound person and a time and all that stuff yeah you do need something between uh, yeah
1: to the, help you kind of bridge that gap because I mean, yeah. people would also like a lot of people would not realise that when you're performing, it's it's not all of you. It's a facet of you.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. And
1: so to get to that part, mm. it feels like a bridge.
2: Do you feel like a character when you perform?
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a... Uh, like it's... And, and A, it's, you know, there's aspects that are exaggerated, like, yeah, yeah. you know, for, for the sake of performance. But yeah. it is also why... You know, God bless my management, but I must be a fucking pain in the ass to look after <laughs> from a marketing point of view because I'm schizophrenic. Doing well, different stuff, yeah. <laughs> like I, if if I was doing, there was there was a year in the early two thousands where I worked out a rhythm to a stand up show uh-huh. that worked, and then it worked really well for me, and I repeated that rhythm mm-hmm. the next year, mm-hmm. and it worked even better. Mm-hmm. And if I had been smart, I would have just kept. Doing that same rhythm, but once I'd worked it out, I was like, "No, yeah, no, I'm good. All right, <laughs> let's uh, let's try something else."
2: But that's so much more interesting. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think about that quite a lot because I am someone who quite likes to do lots of different things. So, yeah. So yeah, I think that we can be a bit narrow-minded about how, what we expect artists. Um, sorry to use that word, artists, but yeah, but what we expect performers to be—that you know—that a band can only have one sound on ten albums, or that yeah. you can yeah, you have to perform in a certain way or you can't do a completely different show the next year. Or,
1: Well, I think that's the – once again, getting back to the evils of money, things are expensive and there's the homogenisation of, of all levels of art. So yeah. people are working and they're stressed. And what we've done is systematically over the past couple of decades is dumb down what society – can enjoy is art, mm. you know, and we're what we're starting to get now is a whole generation of new artists mm. brought up on shit mm. <laughs> who yeah. are, you know, like a, as an example, the uh, the latest Star Wars series, Kenobi. Mm. I got two episodes in and went, Oh, this is made by people who thought the fandom menace was good, oh, but once upon a time no. in school and that, kids were brought up on Shakespeare and and yeah. and, and, and JK, JK Chesterton and thus. And Beautiful works like that, mm. and so what happens is every everyone's patience gets whittled down by the the stresses of life and how expensive everything is, and invariably, mm. when they pay money, they don't want to be challenged. They want to sit there and just go, "I know that that's good. I like that. I've heard that before, on some level."
2: Maybe, yeah, no. Um,
1: that's a that's a mass generalisation, <laughs> but <do> you know, <laughs> totally. I mean? But I think across the broader, I'm speaking more probably about popular entertainment mm. like you like could you imagine a tv show like mash now mm. a comedy <laughs> where some episodes had no laugh track and they were serious and they were actually about the terrible vagrancies of war people would be like what
2: well could you almost say that ted lasso did that there were a couple of episodes in ted lasso yeah which i i showed that i adored yes that were completely out of nowhere oh yeah you know from the perspective of another character and they weren't really funny or they weren't as – or yeah, but I agree. It's but a, that was
1: – you know, you know how different. that came around, didn't you? They had to – oh, yeah, what was it? They, had they to got two f- extra episodes that they were yes. commissioned. They were like, what? What do we do? You so, oh,
2: Okay, it wasn't an artistic choice. I, I, I think mean, it don't. was ultimately, but – Yeah, yeah. I
1: thought, so uh, I've mentioned this before and Will and I have talked about this, but the theory on best way to watch season two of Ted Lasso, if you've never watched it before – Watch season one. Uh huh. Watch that Christmas episode. Uh huh. Watch all of season two. Finish watch the beard, beard. <laughs> like, the beard episode. Like, because the beard episode feels like, uh, hey, the season's finished. Fuck, what did beard get up to? <laughs> but in the week True. to week of yeah. beard, it was like, oh no 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 no, there was too much. Like, mm. I need to get back to that other stuff. It needed to be a special feature on the DVD,
2: is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I like I like that episode, <laughs> but it did tonally. It did, yeah. Kind of throw. But yes. yeah, like MASH sometimes had whole episodes in like, like it's black and white and mm. BJ and, and, and Hawkeye talking seriously about how war's really shit and people went, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is great. And then the next episode, oh, look, they're wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> but but now that would be like, well, that just wasted – like we turned so quickly. Like I saw people turn yeah. on Bluey. Yeah. No. Yeah, I saw people like well, – there was one episode of Bluey. no joking. <laughs> that wasn't perfect in some eyes and it's like, well, this has just ruined everything and it's like – there was one mm. episode you didn't like. Mm. Where's the money in the bank?
2: That's cuz is that because there's too much stuff to, to watch now. So, yep. you know, we've all got 12 streaming platforms yep. and so you, you don't have short don't attention, have the spans. attention spans. I don't. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: Yes, yes, perhaps. I can't remember where we began this tangent. What was that in relation? So, it's for stand-up. To, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, But but
1: your your take of I uh, it's this and it's this, you know it's feels a bit contemporary and it feels like it's a bit political and yep. all that kind of stuff. But it's fun. But it's fun.
2: But it's fun you're going to love it. Yeah, totally. Okay, why do I keep on going back to thinking that it's for TV? I just it's it's uh, no stand right. up. That makes more sense.
1: This isn't for TV. <laughs> okay, great. So, Get TV out of your head. But Georgia. I'll um I will it's a Okay, it's yeah, it's a short story. But <laughs> oh, so so oh, giving right the answer. No, 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 but uh maybe the um okay. maybe the genre. Okay, cool. So, okay. um so arcade fire.
2: Okay, yes. Did you listen to the
1: new album? New. I will. <laughs> oh, no, no, you don't have to. Like there, there's no like I the, should though.
2: I'm It's really I, great. I am one of those musicians Oh, is that a thing? I don't listen to heaps and heaps of things. I, I, I take – I'm a bit slow.
1: Oh, yeah. No, so, no, no. I, I don't watch much stand-up. Yeah.
2: I've got to I, – I will, though.
1: Yeah. I don't watch any stand-up. <laughs> everyone everyone – Yeah, <laughs> comedy. Like, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've only well, – no, to be honest, I've only just started liking comedy again. But
2: maybe that's part of it. I mean, I think that part of – you know, I have to sort of brace before I listen to a, a brand new huge album because it is a lot to. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a lot to take on. Yeah. Not that I'm comparing myself to it or anything no, no, like no, that, but, but in yeah. in the sense of, yeah, you're not you're not just purely listening to it and letting it wash over you. You're thinking, yeah. oh, what's that? What's that production choice? What's that? Yeah. Uh, lyric thing? What's that mean about this? Or Who they collaborated with on that? And blah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Um. Yeah.
1: The uh. And some like so I loved the first three albums by Arcade Fire and I then I thought the next two like I appreciated that they were going in a different direction, but mm-hmm. it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I listened to I gave both albums a go and have also like I'll go back to it now mm-hmm. and again, I'll have a listen, I'll go oh, yeah, I quite like that bit or quite like that pack. But overall it just wasn't Wasn't for me.
0: But
2: there you go. You haven't dismissed them because they went in a different direction. You've allowed room for them to explore other avenues.
1: One of the biggest moments (laughs) in my appreciation of art was Elvis Costello getting a few mentions on this podcast (laughs) on Rage. And he said, You don't have to be, you don't have to like every album by an artist to be a fan. Like you can still be a fan. Totally. And, and, And as soon as he said that, it really, A, unlocked my approach to enjoying mm-hmm. someone's movies, uh-huh. TV shows, music, whatever. Mm. And it also gave me permission to not enjoy his album, King of America, which I had tried to listen to <laughs> a lot of times and was really struggling. And I was like, does this mean I'm not a fan? It was like, no, I'm still a fan. Yes. And I can put this album aside now.
2: So true. So yes, which links back beautifully to the comment that we, we should be allowing people to have more facets, more strings yeah. to their bow. And but we have, for some reason have decided that people have to have, make one choice yes. and stick to it forever. Yeah. yeah, it's annoying. And
1: and also uh sometimes like sometimes your knowledge of an art form mm. isn't enough for you to appreciate something. So as as a teenager Yeah totally. The Bowie album that I just I liked the first and last song on mm. was Young Americans and the rest of it just Yeah. Wasn't there for me yeah. And then I got older And I just really discovered A, a, a proper love of disco And yeah. soul and funk And all that kind of stuff yeah. And then I went back And listened to the album It's like Oh, I've caught up My palate is rich yeah. it's, like, it's like giving a 17-year-old A glass of wine That's $70 And they go What's that? And you go <laughs> Drink a lot of shit wine for a while, son, and then we'll give you that $70 (laughs) glass and you'll be over the moon that you've had that.
2: (laughs) Totally. Come back in 15 years. Yeah. You'll be tasting black currant and smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that, that you can revisit something that you loved, you know, decades earlier and and find new things in it.
1: Yeah. And also I think there's, you know, sometimes when you give something a go, Mm. maybe you're not in the right mood for it. Yeah. So the the Paul Thomas Anderson movie. You're the problem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I saw the Paul Thomas Anderson film Inherent Vice
2: uh-huh.
1: at a preview. That was a 10 a.m. preview on like a Thursday. Mm, it's and not a 10 a.m. film. It's not a 10 a.m. film. Yep. It's a 9 p.m. film. Yeah. Hanging out with your mates. You've had a full meal. Mm. You've talked some shit. Mm. And then you sit back and you just let that movie wash over you. But at 10 a.m. on a Thursday, Mm-mm. it was, fuck, how long is this going to go? I've got shit to do. <laughs> and uh, And you're not... Present. And I've done that with TV shows. I'll start watching a TV show and I'll go, I can tell this is quality. Yeah. And I'm not. Not there. I'm not entirely engaged.
2: Yeah. Yep. I think that sort of a thing's become very apparent in the current climate. Like speaking of <laughs> things that you can read or that you feel able to sort of take in while the world is crumbling around you, and you're sort of dealing with mild anxiety. Yeah. And yeah, like you say, reading short stories or there are things that I know are are wonderful, but I'm just I can't handle them yet. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So-
1: I had a weird thing. This is, sorry, I was really going to finish up but you (laughs) you keep bringing up things that that i want to talk about the um so people might think this is really weird Mm. but when shit goes Mm pear-shaped i find a way to engage with it through uh parallel means so as an example when the war in the ukraine kicked off Mm -hmm. and i found that totally terrifying Mm -hmm. Brought back some uh, nostalgia for me, some 80s nuclear war fears. That was great. Hadn't had them in a long time. Very nice. Very nice to unpack again. Yep. Would have preferred just to be excited about someone bringing back Reebok pumps or something like that. No. But no. Leave that, those doors locked. No. And I felt, and I was so engaged with it. I was so engaged. Mm. I was reading so much about it and I found oh it God. absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And the way I coped with it <laughs> was I finally got around to watching HBO's Chernobyl.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, right, right, right. So you're sort of like, what's the thing when to get over fear of spiders, you put them all over your face?
1: Well, but I'll, I'll watch a TV show where <laughs> someone's doing it. and I'm not going to do it in real life.
2: Okay, sure. But, yeah, but it You was didn't like, go to Chernobyl, but you yeah, watched Chernobyl.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't say, let's go for a holiday <laughs> in my singlet and shorts and, and thongs going, wow, this is a bit hot. But um, but it was the same with the second Exposure lockdown. Exposure therapy, yes. Yeah, the yeah. second lockdown where it's like, oh, God, how long is this going to be after that first one? And mm. I, my first – the first two movies I watched was uh, Apocalypse Now Redux oh or God. the final director's cut which went for 17 days and Full Metal Jacket. And I went, yep, I'm just going to watch something horrific back to back and just experience it through the art. <laughs> I listened to a lot of uh, heavier music yeah. in the initial stages and it was like I could – it gave me a safe space to get that shit out of my system which then made me quite calm in every other aspect.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I went in a very different direction. Yeah. I started watching Bluey yeah. um, <laughs> at, alone at home as a single childless person <laughs> just every night before bed, and I found that really heartening.
1: Yeah, great. <laughs> Mate, so, it's know. so good we don't share a place. It would be, people would be like the neighbors would be like, you know, sometimes it's really peaceful energy coming from that place, and sometimes <laughs> it's like, I'm ready to catch on fire. Like, what the fuck is happening? That's so funny. <sighs> All right. Okay. I'll finish with this. Yep. So it's uh, the, from the third album, mm-hmm. uh, The Suburbs, and it's Suburban War. So. Um,
2: Arcade Fire. Yep. Arcade I'm, Fire. I'm back in the
1: zone. Uh, let's go for a drive and see the town tonight. There's nothing to do, but I don't mind when I'm with you. This town's so strange, they build it to change, and while we sleep, we know the streets get rearranged. With my old friends, it was so different then, before your war against the suburbs began. Before it began. Now the music divides us into tribes. You grew your hair, so I grew mine. You said the past won't rest until we jump the fence and leave it behind. With my old friends, I can remember when you cut your hair. I never saw you again. Now the cities we live in could be distant stars, and I search for you in every passing car. The night's so long. Yeah, the night's so long. I've been living in the shadows of your song. Been living in the shadows of your song.
2: Wow. Hmm. So this one's a bit... Nostalgic and Mm. pensive, and Mm. or potentially romantic, depending on how you read it. Romance.
1: Oh, (laughs) look at that! Tasty. Yeah. Is this
2: for the dating app profile?
1: Yes. (laughs) You've got it. I'm finally getting on. um, (laughs) God, I was about to just throw one out there, and I was like, uh, Tinder. Tinder. Thank you. I could not think of Tinder. Yeah. For some, you know what I had in my head? Squinter, and I don't. (laughs) It's for nearsighted people <laughs> yeah. who are keen to date but uh, don't want to feel embarrassed that they have to get right up close to them to work out who it is.
2: <laughs> oh, great.
1: But it's, so it's a, uh, it's a short story but it's a meet cute yes. idea with a little but with a slightly more elaborate twist. Interesting. Yeah, so rather than just, you know, playing with those tropes but yeah. there's something else going on that gets revealed at the end. Hopefully, if I write it correctly.
2: Beautiful. Anyway. And how much are the lyrics informing the mood and how much is the music informing the mood?
1: It goes hand in hand, actually. Like I, funnily enough, I couldn't listen to, even if the lyrics were great, Mm -hmm. if the music was incorrect, Mm. it would take me off course and vice versa. Yeah. You know, like if, you know, if that, if the music to that was about, I don't know, uh, you know, (laughs) working in a mind, you know, (laughs) it would be like, it would just, I know this, you know, it it has to be the amalgamation that creates a specific mood that I then try to capture in what I'm trying to express.
2: Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. Creating's fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Turns out.
1: Yeah. It is. Yeah. I, I often think like part of what was great about, the lockdown was there was nowhere to express yourself which Mm. meant you could just create Mm -hmm. and you could therefore not be hemmed in by these this is what it has to be Mm.
0: Mm. and there's
1: no expectation Mm. and I feel like I'm fundamentally different because of it Mm. because I got to try all these different things from the podcast to the writing and reconnecting with things that I genuinely loved but had lost over the years because I was constantly touring and on the road and doing stand-up which then pushed stand-up aside finally which i should have done years ago which Mm -hmm. then allowed me to find my way back into Mm stand-up
2: yes yeah it's interesting that's yeah it's interesting how time away from things can uh, can be really beneficial can bring you back with a with a new lease on life i made a whole record in lockdown but as opposed to doing it you know, three or four weeks in a studio, I did it entirely remotely over a year. Yeah, But that's a whole, yeah, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. We can we can have another day. We've yeah. been pr- prattling on for a long time. No, no,
1: that's good. But- that gives you me an excuse to have you back.
2: <laughs> oh, yes.
1: We can go through each song and you can literally give me the process and I'll be wrapped.
2: Oh, I would love that.
1: Yeah, we can definitely do that. Let's let's save that for the next season. I'm okay. 100% up for that. Okay. All right, I've kept you for too long. No. Uh, where, where can people buy tickets for Supergroup?
2: Oh, yes. GeorgiaMooney.com is where tickets are available and it starts in Brisbane in two weeks, 27th and 28th of July with, yep, Sam from Ballpark Music, Saya Elizabeth, Herr Jeremy Neal, Hope D, Evil Eddie from Buddy Fingers and then the next week we're in Melbourne and we've got Moju and Claire Bowditch and Ryan Downey and Mabel Glider and Bob Evans and Ruby Gill and then the next week we're in Sydney and we've got Josh Pike and Nyree And Martha Marlowe and Tim Binton and Hannah from Middle Kids and Ziggy Ramo.
1: That's impressive. As someone who has hosted uh, live shows and, you know, you want to finish off the night by, hey, a round of applause for everyone and then suddenly you're on stage and you've started off with the best of intentions and you get to the third person and you're like, who was that? Yeah. Oh my god and then you just have to kind of I'll do the thing of get off mic uh, you know so you will say give it up for the Limo <laughs> Peter Hellier." <laughs> <laughs> Will Anderson <laughs> Perfect <laughs> yeah. So then the person just automatically locks themselves into that spot If they're still in the room Oh yeah, yeah he just said it off mic That's right I heard, I heard my name mentioned uh, Thank you so much Oh, where can they get your album as well? From your well, website as well,
2: right? Yes, my, the album's not out yet But oh. the first song is coming out in probably August Oh, great Just made a music video, which was really oh. fun Um Yeah and so it's all happening.
1: Great. Yeah. Please come back and let's talk about the album and let's talk about the uh, video process. Yes. Because I'm a bit fascinated by it. Yes. I do have some thoughts. Yes. Yes. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you to Georgia for being my guest today. And if you're in Brisbane, Melbourne or Sydney, keep an eye out for when her supergroup is in town. Head to georgiamoonie.com. That is G-E-O-R-G-I-A-M. Double O N E Y, GeorgiaMooney.com for tickets and details. Also, a big thank you to Morgan for being my Patreon supporter for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed recording it. Uh, Remember, if you'd like to be a part of the Big Squid community, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid to find a tier that suits you. And you know what? A top review over at Apple Podcasts is also a great way to contribute to the work that goes on here. Adelaide, don't forget to head to adelaidecomedy.com to purchase your ticket to Big Squid Live with Rove, Tom Gleeson, Anne Richard and Ben Irwin. And remember, there's more guests to be announced in the next few weeks. And do not forget, if you're a Big Squid listener, which I guess you are because you're hearing this message now to use the Big Squid promo to get money off your ticket. Next week, Ben and I tackle David Lynch's Mulholland Drive in a two-part podcast, and then Garth Jones returns with his "Past the Ammo segment to discuss Howling 3, The Marsupials. Yes, that is an actual title to a movie, and we discuss it. <laughs> so strap yourselves in for that one. We're racing towards the end of this season And it's it's going to be a really big action-packed next couple of weeks. Since I've been listening to quite a bit of Bruce Springsteen of late, and as you would be aware, I talked about uh, one of his particular songs earlier that is inspiring some writing that I'm doing, I figured, well, let's finish today with a quote from the boss himself. I have spent my life judging the distance between American reality and the American dream. Simple and perfect. Until then.